Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. And now we hear that same story, the parable of the wicked tenants, as read from the Gospel of Matthew, that Amy will read for us. Today's Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyards to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on his stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord, the Word of God for the people of God. All right, we continue our worship with our sermon. You'll see why I have that image uh, as the one that I picked for this morning, because I give the sermon from my car yesterday as well. I think I explained it all in the sermon, so I won't repeat myself, but we continue on with the sermon. Hey, everybody from Holy Trinity, whoever else might be watching. It is me, Pastor Tim, but we are in a different setting. Right now, it is Saturday morning. Normally, I record my uh, sermons late night Saturday mornings. become uh, a work day for me. I'll go into church. Uh, I'll go through, finish writing up the sermon, gather all my thoughts, go into the narthex of the last week in the sanctuary, uh, and record it, and then do all the editing. You know, I'm done 
middle of the afternoon, whatever it might be. This morning, I can't do it at church because I am on my way out to West Chesterfield. Sorry, I just went over a speed bump as there is somebody walking on the side of the road. Uh, on my way out to West Chesterfield for the funeral uh, graveside service for Stella Chickering, the mom of Cheryl Bingham. And so when I'm in the car, I generally do one of three things. One, I listen to podcasts, and I've already listened to two this morning. I listen to NPR Politics and Up First by NPR. Uh, I listen to the radio, or I, <laughs> I don't even know why I said radio. I haven't listened to the radio in years, uh, unless it's trying to find maybe sports, but even then, uh, I'll use some kind of website to find what I want to listen to. I don't even know a radio station here in New Hampshire. I listen to uh, Spotify. Listen, if I want music, I listen to Spotify. And the third thing I do is I turn everything off, and I like to do this uh, a lot, and just let my mind wander. And I think, in my opinion, that's when I do some of my best thinking. So I've listened to my two podcasts this morning already, and I've just had uh, everything off as I'm just enjoying a beautiful drive out, letting my mind wander. It's going to my sermon. And I thought, you know what? I'm just uh, I'm going to pull over side of the road, hit record, and then start talking. And I think I know what I want to say, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, but here we are. So the passage we have this morning, Matthew 21, again, context means everything. What is going on that is, which would help to understand why Jesus is sharing this parable. We mentioned it before, but it is what, as Christians now, we call Holy Week. And what's happening is it's Passover, or it's coming up to Passover in the scripture. Jesus has what we call Palm Sunday. He's paraded into excuse me, into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, he's coming on the donkey, the wave the palm branches, yelled Hosanna, Lord save us. And everything's coming up to a peak, a climax. Something's going to happen is what people are hoping for, is what people are starting to think. And so this is what Jesus does for the first thing that he's going to do is he goes to the temple and he turns over the tables of the money changers. He disrupts this whole system that is meant to appease God and he essentially calls out the Pharisees and the chief priests and the good religious people of the day who think they are doing the right thing and he says, what in the world do you think you're doing? And he flips things over and it just kind of lets them have it. And after he does that, as we heard a couple weeks ago, he gets the question, under whose authority do you do this? Where do you get off? And Jesus, in response to that, tells two parables. Uh, and we're going to get another one next week, but this is the second of the parable. The parable we had last week was the parable of the two sons. Remember, one uh, father asked him to go work, and the one said, said, one son said, yes, I'll go, but then didn't go. And then the other son said, nope, I'm not going to go, but then did go. And Jesus says, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to go into heaven before you, the Pharisees and the chief priests and the good religious people of the day. Jesus now tells another parable to follow up that. And the parable he tells now is what you just heard called the parable of the wicked tenants. And again, a real quick synopsis of it goes like this. The workers are out in the field uh, doing the work of the landowner, right? The landowner has this land. He sets it up to succeed, gets people to work in it. Uh, times to come for the crop to yield its harvest. The landowner sends a representative to collect his harvest. 
And the tenants are now thinking, wait a minute. They didn't say this in the scripture, but I'm going to imply it. We did this work. We're not giving you any of what we've done. And they beat up the representative that came. And I, they maybe even killed him. I forget how what happens to that first one. Word gets back to the landowner. He's like, all right, I better send more than one. I can send reinforcements. So now he sends multiple people to go and collect the yield of the crowd. And the tenants again say, no, we did this work. This is ours. We are keeping it. And they beat up and kill these representatives of the landowner. Now the landowner says, I'm going to send my son. Of course they'll respect my son, right? So the son goes. And now the tenants, oh, they get a bright idea. If we kill the son, the landowner won't have anyone to give his their inheritance to. And he'll be forced to leave it to us. Granted, I don't know why they would think this. Because after what they've done to the two other representatives of the landowner, I can't imagine he's really in their good graces. But this is what they think. This is what they do. The landowner gets word and says, oh, I, I, I'm t everything you thought was yours, I'm taking away, right? Uh, again, you thought you had it all and uh, you deserved more than what you have and now you just lost it all. I want to go back to a theme that corresponds to both of these. And I think it's a theme that corresponds to you and I today. I can speak for myself and say I understand it, but it's a theme of insecurity. So many of our actions are based in insecurity. Think about what's going on at the temple. The reason why Jesus was so upset is everybody is required to come at Passover to the temple to offer a sacrifice. But when you offer a sacrifice, you can't just bring any animal to sacrifice. You have to have a pure animal. And the only place you can get a pure animal is at the temple. So they have a captive audience. So I, we've all been to the movies, although probably not in about six months. But when you go to the movies, I'm always amazed at how much pop, popcorn, and uh, candy is. Right? It's a price gouge. You're a captive audience. And that's where they're going to make their money. So they can charge so much more. So they do. And so I hate buying pop and popcorn and candy at the at, at uh, the movie theaters because I know how much it actually costs and how much they're making on it. Right? So think about it that way. Also, when you go to the temple, you can't just pay with the money you already have. You have to pay with the currency that's accepted in the temple. So you have to exchange your money. So when you exchange your money, there's always a little fee. So we'll use American dollars, $10. You exchange it, you're only gonna get what would be equivalent of eight American dollars back. So you've lost money, now you've gotta pay for something that is more expensive than it should be. And Jesus sees this system and is just so upset about it. Why is the system set up this way? Why do you need to have a system in which you need to offer sacrifices to God to make God love you or to appease God's anger? Is because there's insecurity that God loves you already.
that who you are isn't enough. So to make yourself enough, you've got to do A, B, and C. There's insecurity lying underneath it all. And that insecurity lies in not trusting what God has said, that God loves you. Now let's go to this parable of the wicked tenants. They are acting out of insecurity also. For some reason, they don't trust the landowner that when they turn over the yield, they're going to be left out. They're going to not be taken care of. They are going to be left destitute. They are insecure, and that insecurity lies in not trusting the landowner to take care of the people the landowner employs. And I use that landowner employs in this parable. If we use that language with God, God doesn't employ us. God calls us. God loves us. God asks us to work. Work for the benefit of others, right? And trusting when we work for the benefit of others, we are also taken care of at the same time. I can't imagine in this parable that if the workers turned over everything back to the first or the second or the group of representatives or to the son, that the landowner is going to say, thank you, good luck taking care of yourself. If there's some scraps you left behind, enjoy. I don't think that's going to happen, right? The landowner isn't out to abuse and take advantage of the situation. We are the ones who abuse and take advantage of the situation. The landowner acts rightly, acts justly, acts generously are the things that we have heard in the past. Our issue, the issue back then, right, in the temple, the issue that is occurring in the parable, the issue that occurs today over and over and over again is a lack of trust that what God says is true, you are loved, go love others. You are enough. Go act that way. Instead, we act out of insecurity. Think about it. When you are insecure in how uh, someone might feel about you, how do you act? Are you at your best or are you at your worst? Right? I think about bullies. I think it's a well-known fact. Why do bullies pick on others? Because they feel insecure. So how do they make themselves feel better? I'm going to pick on somebody else. By them being less than, I must be more than. The, the sad thing is, that's not true. When we push others down, that does not make us better. And what God says, those who we push down, they're getting in first. Those who are first will be last. Those who are last will be first. Think about all the way insecurity is playing itself out in the world today. When, when we say, what about me? It comes from a lack of trust, a lack of insecurity, right? If I don't do what I want, I may not be able to. I don't care if it's better for the common good. I need to do what I want. Or insecurity, uh, right? I'm going to act out of fear. 
right? I've had the Pharisees acting out of fear. Chief priests, God's going to punish me in fear. Boy, is fear used in the world today. I won't even get into politics how fear is used. To make you think you're not enough. Or be insecure in what's going on around. As opposed to appealing to the best of our nature, to the best of us. To remind ourselves of the good that you are. Not just good, but God says in Genesis, very good. To me, the essence of sin is not trusting. So often, church, we're, we are so worried about belief. Do you have the right belief? And we argue over and over and over again about belief. And it's belief that keeps people in or out. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. I think that is still such a prevalent opinion of what Christianity is, including people in our own pews, right? Trust, lack of trust or sin, I think, is not a lack of belief, but it's a lack of trust. Trust God loves you. Trust. And we act like it. You are loved. You are taken care of. You can't change the way God feels about you. It's why sacrifice doesn't work. There's nothing you can do about to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you. God is asking, trust that love. And if we trust that love, we are we are content within ourselves. We are able to go out and lead lives that are generous toward others, that are forgiving toward others, that are loving toward others, that put others first. Remember how we had the passage from... Um, Romans last week, think of others even better than yourselves. Even better than yourselves. How secure must you be to continually lift people up, to give compliments, not tear people down, to encourage and support, and not be worried about the fact of, what about me? But rather, what about them? And when we do that, we are taking care of ourselves. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what Jesus came to proclaim. That's what we reject. And that's what we're striving to work toward. Trusting God's love for us. That it's true. Trust God loves you today, tomorrow, and every day that is to come.